Hello everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast penultimate race edition, the Sakir Grand Prix. We have got a lot to talk about, lots of news stories, things going on. It's just been a bit of a whirlwind these last few days and weeks and we'll try and do our very best to cover it all in this juicy podcast. Of course, my name is Matthew Gallagher and joining me in the virtual podcast booth is Tom Bellingham, the WTF1 founder, and I'm actually going to continue to say that you're the WTF1 founder, Tommy, just because I had a few annoyed messages saying, why do I keep saying it? Um, But look, I'm going to keep saying that you basically gave birth to my career, Tommy. You're welcome. You're you're the the father of my employment. I'm your father, just I am your father. (laughs) And Jack Aitkins as well. And Jack Aitkins, yeah. God, Tommy, Talented you're bunch. just such a rascal, aren't you? And uh, and of course, Katie as well, the WTF1 editor. Katie, I don't have one to, to really kind of... You didn't found the editing side, but you're on board. You're enjoying it. You're firing out articles. And this weekend was mad. It was crazy. Definitely a lot of articles to write because news seemed to be happening every minute of every day this week. But here we are. Podcast. We don't stop. It's a Monday and we still go. So let's do some three-word race reviews right now. Uh, Batgirl Project, Russell got robbed. Aaron underscore W01, the Netflix curse. Underscore Chris underscore W, Perez deserves seat. And 727 Lewis, what just happened? Russell did get robbed. Not sure about Netflix, though. I've heard a few things. I think Will Buxton came out on Twitter and said that that uh, Netflix weren't filming solely Mercedes or something like that. Uh, Perez, obviously, will get on to that. That is a big story. And what just happened, I think, sums up pretty much how I'm feeling about this entire weekend. But let's go into my three-word race review first. It doesn't matter. Now, I wonder what that could be about. It's, of course, to do with George Russell and where he finished in that race. As much as it was devastating to see George not win the race, of course. You know, we were all gunning for him. The incredible fairy tale story of going from the slowest car on the grid to the fastest and then winning on your first outing for them. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter because, yes, he may have one less win on his record for the rest of his career, but he has proved without a shadow of a doubt that he deserves to be in the top flight team. The fact that he just picked it up immediately, almost outqualified Bottas, was beating Bottas in the race comprehensively. It was a drive that nobody can ignore. Yeah, I can't. I'll be honest. Even the talent of George Russell, we know how good he is. He won F3, uh, sorry, GP3 as it were, I think. F2 as a rookie. Um, An amazing talent doing unbelievable things in a Williams. Even with his talent, I thought he's going to get in and a solid performance would be for him to just pace Bottas even if he finished four or five seconds behind Bottas at the flag, having never driven that car before, I feel like we'd still be having the same conversation of, is it time they gave Russell a chance? But he just essentially, despite everything, and obviously the result wasn't there, he passed that test with flying colours. Definitely. He's shown not only has he got big potential, but he's a reliable, safe pair of hands. I mean... When Russell won the F2 championship, you know, we discussed that it was slightly unfair that out of the young bunch of drivers coming in, he was the one that was sort of in the worst seat in the Williams. Um, But we know what a talented young driver he is. And um, given the machinery, he 
proved our point a hundred times over. He did indeed. It was just phenomenal to watch, as Tommy said. You know, we there were high expectations after FP1 and FP2, especially topping the timesheets. FP3 was maybe a little bit more of a wake-up call. Uh, and I think George even said that he was hoping to get out of Q1 uh, after FP3 and then obviously pops it P2. And yeah, it... I think this, you know, some people might go, oh my God, you just keep, you know, lauding George for such an incredible performance. But it was. Like, I won't even, you know, beat you around the bush. It was such an unbelievable performance for someone to go into a car that wasn't even built around him. You know, he's size 11 feet, had to wear size 10 shoes. Some people would be like, ah, oh, you know, it's just shoes, isn't it? But you try putting on a pair of shoes that's one size too small for you and then going and tearing around a, a racetrack at 200 miles I, an hour when every bit of comfort and anything that kind of just will remotely or just a tiny bit affect your concentration, the fact that his the steering wheel wasn't built around him, he didn't know all the controls. It was just unbelievable to watch. And at TRL Real says, has George done enough to get a Mercedes seat for 2022? I think yes. It, I, I, we might still have... I think our expectations might still be a little bit too high if, for example, he races in Abu Dhabi next next or this week. Um, I feel like bar, the Bahrain short circuit was an ideal track for George to get up to speed uh, with the Mercedes because it was a simple track in a lot of ways. I know there was a few difficult chicanes, but overall, you can't really think of a, an, an easier track to get up to speed with. Maybe Monza, I'm not sure. But I think for that, we will probably... I don't know, Abu Dhabi, if he does race for them, it could be an interesting one to see if he carries on that form. But as for the 2022 question, I think he's even put himself in the equation for 2021. You know, Hamilton hasn't signed. I know they'll probably go with Lewis, but hey, George is a cheaper option. Bottas, could they just scrap his contract? I, I think the um, when it when it comes to George, essentially, he was put there as a 1v1 versus Bottas and the fact that he's comprehensively beating him is just unbelievable i think if you look at the things that mercedes will no doubt have been looking at from him and we've had this conversation many times on the podcast especially when george maybe was bottling points in a williams um maybe put a bit of doubt in their mind that if he had the best car may he throw it away may he you know be bin it behind the safety car when he's leading or or do this or or whatever and the fact that he's gone into that race like you say never a car not set up for him he's had to make a start with an unfamiliar car got into the lead and then i'd almost argue that his um the race he showed the fact that he dropped back in the pack showed mercedes even more while he's going to be gutted for the losing the win the fact that he dropped back in the pack he showed he can overtake and do wheel-to-wheel battles which is something we know Bottas has been massively criticized for and can't do as well and the fact that he put that absolute worldy of a move on Bottas that is so much pressure I know he had so much better tires on but to go wheel-to-wheel in a car and you think one wrong move I'm smashing into Bottas here and Toto Wolf is firing me on the spot or or you know I'm in big trouble and to pull off that move it was unbelievable what a performance that was a stunning move possibly one of the best moves if not the best move of the season that was just amazing but like I, I agree with what you're saying there Tommy you know there was a lot of pressure on him to perform in that car obviously you're going to get all the people saying oh well he's going into the quickest car in F1 you know 
the W11 is the fastest car in F1 history, so he's got a good advantage there already. But it's so much more than just being, you know, past the metaphorical car keys and told, take this for a spin. There's so much more to it that than meets the eye. And, and even off the track, he impressed me this weekend with how level-headed he was and how mature he was. I mean, he's, what, 21, 22, George Russell? And he's, you know, speaking as if he's been trained by Mercedes for years and years. You know, we all know how mature and, and sensible Lewis is with his things. And for me, on track and off track, he, he did resemble a lot of what Lewis is to F1. Um, and I mean, if you compare his attitude to someone such as Lance Stroll, who obviously got that podium finish, I mean, Lance Stroll came across pretty stroppy yesterday, despite being on the podium Bitter, and getting that. Yeah. yeah, and you know, his teammates just won the race, which I mean, is going to be a kick in the nuts anyway, because there's always going to be that, oh, well, that could have been me attitude. And he said after the race, you know, I could have won it. But comparing George, George, what George went through and what he suffered through mistakes that, you know, weren't his own fault. They were a huge slip up from Mercedes. But he just, he just was, you know, like, take the rough with the smooth. It is what it is. And yeah, he's really just ticked every single box that I think Mercedes needed to him to this weekend. It shows incredible maturity, doesn't it, from George? Uh, when you look at the, the other interviews that have maybe gone on over the weekend, one of them being Lance Stroll, another one, Dan Tictum in F2. And, and the way in which they can just come across so bitter and burning bridges in those interviews not so much Lance but with but with Dan for sure and as much as some of these drivers may not care if they're liked or not it still helps a lot to have that maturity within you to be able to get it out face the media not throw your team under the bus and just generally show this mentality that is of a world champion you know you don't see many world champions that have strops live on tv um, so for me, yeah, as you say, Katie, just every single box was ticked um, with, with George, apart from obviously winning the race. But in terms of the way that he managed it as well, you know, he was always on the radio. He's so art- I love listening to his team radio because he's so articulate. He's always asking, oh, you know, I can I can go a tenth and a half, two tenths quicker. What's Bottas doing? I can ride the curves a bit more, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's constantly trying to work out, learn. And it's. You know, when when we look at the season gone by and qualifying, Bottas has been a match for Hamilton in a lot of a lot of the races. So Bottas, you have to say, was the benchmark this weekend in terms of where Hamilton could have been. I don't think Valtteri was at a hundred percent. Maybe he felt the pressure as well. But in terms of if we want to get a, a straight comparison between George and Lewis, George is up there on pure pace and able to to be a bit quicker than Valtteri in in race trim, at least around this track. Yeah, um, I mean, we'll go on to the next question. Do you want to go on to the next question? Because I guess that goes into it a little sure. more about... Kieran Carpenter too. What do you think about the rumours of Mercedes using George to prove to Hamilton that they don't need him and to get leverage in negotiations? I guess very quickly on that before you talk, Tommy, I, I guess I don't think it's using leverage as such. You know, George is a... George isn't invincible. He's had a great weekend this weekend, but we, as you mentioned, Tommy, he's already had these problems in Williams. He has like, crashed under the safety car. He's not the, the full package right yet. He's, he's close for sure. You know, he's shown that he's got the potential, but Lewis Hamilton has seven world titles for a reason. He's consistent every single week, and George hasn't had that test yet. He's had one race, sure, and he's taken it with, with both hands, but 
to then use that to leverage Lewis Hamilton and say, look, we don't need you anymore, mate, I think is a, a very naive approach if they do do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's <laughs> this is one of the worst takes I've seen. Um, and No offence, Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, a lot of people. I, I've seen it a lot. And at the end of the day, I think it's absolute like bollocks that like George Russell, no doubt how good he was. Sponsored by Manscaped, this podcast. <laughs> Unintentional. Um, but I genuinely think it's, it's such a bad take to think that George coming in and beating Bottas in one race means that he should replace Lewis Hamilton. He's not, he's not there to replace Lewis Hamilton. He's there as a person that might even take over the reins when Hamilton decides to retire. And then there's also the chance that, you know, maybe it's time that Bottas gets moved over for for Russell the talk of replacing uh, you know a guy that's done one race in a car albeit a successful one with a world champion I mean how how quickly are people forgetting Turkey where Hamilton won that race when the Mercedes was not was not on it and you know with the greatest of respect to to George that that drive from Lewis that's what comes with you know the the maturity and the experience no doubt George will be quick it, Lewis was the same he he came in you know what look what he did to Alonso but there was also a little bit of immaturity there so that's before you even go into sponsorship deals money I know we've mentioned this before um I'm sure you mentioned it on one uh podcast Matt but the loyalty that Mercedes show Hamilton the fact that you know they've changed their entire livery to, to support a cause that means a lot to Lewis Hamilton um, and they support him so much in that aspect of you know what it, like what Lewis believes in and, and and the changes he wants to bring the environmental side as well they've just um, you might know more of this about me than Katie but they've also re- received some kind of um, star rating from the FIA but yeah it's not for me it's just not a a talk that Hamilton is being replaced by Russell. It's whether Russell is replacing Bottas. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, some of the journalists, one of the journalists put a question to um, Russell, Bottas and Verstappen in the post-Corley press conference, you know, saying, does this show that we've got another Mercedes 1-2 without Hamilton being here, if Hamilton is even needed? And Max Verstappen came back with a very simple answer. He was the first one to answer the question and just said, you know, yes, you need Lewis because it's in those difficult moments, like you say in Turkey, when the car wasn't suited to Mercedes, wasn't suited to Lewis, he was on the back burner and he came through and he delivered. And Lewis has everything built around him at Mercedes. And I know Mercedes were a fairly competitive team before Lewis got there, obviously not the standard that they are now, but, you know, it's not like he joined a Williams or a Haas and then has taken them to what they are today like there's there's been some progress made without Lewis's involvement but Lewis has just put in all that work at Mercedes he like you say brings with him money he brings with him sponsorship but also as a person he's extremely motivating and I think that Lewis's involvement in Mercedes is part of the reason that Mercedes are as good as they are because they want to just constantly do better because that's the same mindset that Lewis has. I know it's very easy to say, you know, that's probably the same of all the other teams on the grid. You know, they all obviously want to do better and better themselves, but at the end of the day, they're not. Like, just look at the improvements that Mercedes have made from 2019 to 2020. 
you know, that 2019 car was an absolute beast, but then they've taken it a step further this year. And I think that's a huge part of Lewis's, you know, involvement in the team. And even, you know, you said about Russell, he's still at the end of the day, a young talent in F1. He's done two seasons. Look at Hamilton, obviously him not being at the Sakir Grand Prix brought an end to some phenomenal statistics. One of them being that he had 265 consecutive race starts to his name. And it's that level of experience that helps Mercedes, you know, become the kind of team that they are. We interrupt this WTF1 podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor of this episode, Manscaped. Manscaped are the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada and Australia. A few of their products that are prime stocking stuffers this Christmas season are the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the name speaks for itself, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven with their aloe vera and hazel extracts, a foot duster foot deodorant designed to keep the stankiest feet smelling fresh, Crop Mop Ball Wipes, you never know when an opportunity strikes so you should always be prepared, and many more. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free and paraben-free so you know their products are legit. You can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code WTF1. Get 20% and free shipping at manscaped.com with code WTF1. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Now, back to the podcast. Absolutely. You know, people forget the behind the scenes work that all these drivers do. It's not just turning up on a Friday and, and driving the car. It's it's the work behind the scenes. And Lewis is, is very much known for the person that is there first and le- leaving last. Uh, in the day so you know there's so much more to it than just oh you know George is as quick as Bottas so surely Lewis isn't needed anymore that's not how it works Um, and as Tommy mentioned there's so many more things than just the talent as well or the feedback it's the money it's everything and Mercedes are not going to just throw Lewis under the bus because of one performance from George Russell it's just as simple as that Uh, let's talk about George's race now Um, at Alessio Di Maria would George Russell have won without the puncture Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I think so. I, I think we were robbed of a, a brilliant end to that race because you had Sergio Perez never won a race, probably his penultimate race for, for maybe forever, maybe for, for quite some time in terms of, well, he says he's going to be back in 2022, I guess. So for a little while, at least, it was Sergio Perez's second to last race. And he would have done everything to hold George Russell back. Uh, and then you've got George, who's, you know, he might be thinking this is one opportunity in the Mercedes. You never know what could happen in the F1 driver market uh, and you can't take opportunities for granted. So, George, you know, it just would have been such a tantalising end to that race. Um, and I think George had the pace over Perez. You know, he was catching up about half a second just under a lap. And, you know, it's such a quick track that you just get a good run out the final corner and you've got a great chance into turn one, if not uh, the switchback and then uh, to turn four. So... I think George definitely could have won, would have won, uh, and it's such a shame. But at the same time, we're so happy for Sergio. It's such a that in itself is a fairy tale story. The fact that he was hit at turn four, was 18th, and then came through to win. I I don't actually have any words to even. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> but anyway, George Russell won the puncture. Yeah, was was it Sergio Perez who, in Portimao, made a very hard defensive move which I think was just borderline fair and he didn't get a penalty for it but I think we were discussing whether it was fair or not um, 
I'm sure it was. Sure. I'm sure it was Perez. <laughs> I'll be I'm honest. Sure, this yeah. whole season is blurred into yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> true. But I'm sure it was Perez. Now, like you say, Matt, that we were we were essentially robbed of that fight. Personally, I think George would have got him. He had such a superior pace. I think he was three. I watched the race back just recently. He was three point six behind once he'd got past Ocon, and then four tenths a lap before he got his puncture got got to about two and a bit seconds. So he was he was coming. It just would have been really interesting to see Sergio Perez defending for everything. Even even with DRS, you just know he'd have pushed it because he he's probably thinking four or five laps to go this might be the only chance I ever have to win a Formula One race. And then you've got the amazing situation of going, how much does George risk? How much does Perez risk? It would have been so good. And unfortunately, we were robbed of that. And they both would have crashed and Ocon would have won. <laughs> Strange. Yeah. I mean, that would that would have summarised 2020. Season, <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, um, when Russell started passing Lance and then Ocon, you know, literally just within a matter of laps, you thought, right, this is game on. And there are a couple of moments when there was, you know, 10 minutes left to the end of the race. And I'm thinking, I can't, I can't sit through these 10 laps. I just want it to be, be over. And I, you know, I, I can't. You want it to be over? I was like, I can't, I can't deal with these. <laughs> I didn't want it to end. No, me neither. Yeah, well, like, I just was thinking, I just need this to be, you know, sorted. I, I don't know if I can cope watching these 10 laps unfold it's going to be so intense but when the the message came over and that graphic popped up saying you know Russell puncher reported I think everybody was sort of nah now that has that has maybe that's a graphic for Bottas maybe they've put the wrong thing up and then when you saw George Russell pit and you're thinking oh it's it's definitely all over now but devastating and like the to answer the question would George Russell have won without the puncher I would have said definitely but not meant to be, um, but like you say, we got a fairy tale ending with Sergio. I mean, he's the first driver ever in the history of Formula One to have come from last on the first lap to win a race, which is uh, a statistic that blows my mind. That That's is, a pretty cool record. Cool. Did you, do, you, do you guys think if um, if George had gone on to win the race, there's obviously a lot of talk about the the, the fact that he had the stewards inquiry and then got Scott free essentially did they they find them rather than disqualifying him a lot of people thought he might be disqualified can you imagine almost the controversy if George had won that race and then and then either got disqualified or even if he hadn't a lot of people would have been like well is it fair that they've got a fine you know it it would have we'd be having a, a totally different debate wouldn't we of I think that would have been the big talking point of the whole the whole race whether it was fair or not and we don't like to see races decided by a steward's report at the end, do we? No, we don't. And I think probably the reason why it got off with the fine as well is maybe that there wasn't as much protest from other teams. Whereas if Russell had won the race and Perez finishes second, I'm sure Racing Point are straight down to the stewards saying, look, That's what's true. this about? Says here, there and everywhere that this should be a disqualification. So I think it could have ended very differently for sure. But I don't think anybody would have taken away... Uh, ninth place from George Russell really I know McLaren may have had a word because they're 10th but apart from that I don't think there would have been much uh, much protest from uh, from the other teams but uh, what, one thing I was quite disappointed about the whole George Russell puncture thing was was the fact that well I was watching on Sky F1 they just got it completely wrong that like they uh, Crofty just didn't 
even though it came up with Russell with the graphic and Bono was talking, they were saying it was Bottas. And I felt like the drama of it just completely dissipated because they were so confused as to what was happening. And yeah, it was it was a bit of a shame for me because it was just coming to a T and then you hear that that radio message and you go, Oh well George George is ruined. You know, and you, you kind of need that that drama, that oh my god kind of thing, which Channel Four uh, I watched their highlights, hoping that maybe uh, George Russell didn't get a puncture in that version, and um, <laughs> and yeah, it, I just felt like the drama was completely ruined with that. Yeah, I agree. That's that's the kind of you know, the, there's certain moments, isn't there, where it's made by the commentary. I mean, as an old person like me, Murray Walker was was that person, um, but yeah, it's, it's a shame they missed that. And even even Brundle, I think, missed it as well. Who you know, I think Brundle, I think Brundle got it. Because he kind of said something as he came into the pits, and he was like, oh, "I was pretty sure that was Bono," but I'm sure that mm. you know, probably for commentary's sake, he's not going to start arguing with Crofty as to who it was, and they'd just wait for confirmation. Yeah, but yeah. I think Brundle was was at least on it a little bit more. But yeah, drama Tra- bomb. Yeah, big drama bomb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you make of that, Katie? Did you watch on Sky as well? Or? I did. Uh, yeah, I watched on Sky, um, and yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think you do need some of these you know to compare it to the previous week sky did such an amazing job in covering the grosjean accident and the rest of that grand prix but there was some silly little slip-ups from sky this weekend at one point um i think it was martin brundle said something like oh russell you know passes in the williams or something like that and just, yeah I heard that. Just, yeah silly little things which i mean i'm not saying i could do any better by any means but yeah you need that hype. No, I'm, I'm not either. I'm just uh, commenting because I know a lot of people, whenever I say some sort of constructive criticism, they go, well, could you do that, Matt? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm not doing it. Who knows? <laughs> um, anyway, next question. Alexandra Takax. How on earth could Mercedes mix up the tyres? I'm sure they have strict and comprehensive procedures to rule out such a mistake. Now, this one was down to a radio issue. Half the garage heard what was happening the other half didn't so they didn't know which car was coming in so, so what toto wolf said was that uh usually they'll you know they'll say exactly the the driver that's coming in and what's required um but there was some sort of technical fault from what i i heard from toto at least uh which meant that there was huge amounts of confusion and then the the debate of oh you know why did they double stack they didn't need to do that um yeah, I mean, hindsight's a beautiful thing. They've double stacked every single time I can ever think of, and they've smashed it every single time. It's just this one moment where uh, a fault has has ruined their their race quite badly, very badly. Yeah, they're they're normally like you say, execute these double stacks perfectly, and then flex about it the on one race Instagram. Drive for them. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, that's another thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, like you say, radio message, complete chaos because one of the tires was almost dropped and rolling down the pits and mm. um obviously they put Bottas's tires back on which was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen because they realized they were about to put George's tires on his car so they took them back off put his old tires back on and obviously that in itself ruined Bottas's race um because he was had to you know finish the end of the race on absolutely useless tyres it was certainly a very uncharacteristic mistake from Mercedes they said that a message from Russell was played over the top of an original pit pit wall call to get ready Um, but yeah I mean we saw Toto Wolf drop the F-bomb live on Sky which was quite entertaining Uh, but it just 
was a huge shock I think to us motorsport fans that know how efficient and you know always perfect Mercedes are with anything they do including pit stops and it's mad I mean uh, Ferrari made so many mistakes with Vettel during that race uh, but Mercedes were like you know hold on a minute we're going to take the crown for the worst pit stop this season (laughs) Yeah, I saw a funny meme of like 4.5 plus 6.5 for the Vettel pit stops and then there's just like a mas- like a guy slapping his hand on the table with a 27 second pit stop it's <laughs> brilliant but um, yeah it was so weird to see such a, a fault from Mercedes and you kind of think that the universe wouldn't have given Russell a puncture had that not happened and he could have not pushed as hard and he probably won- would have won the race so it's just so odd and obviously we all kind of jumped on that oh it was Netflix maybe it wasn't maybe it was but if it was Netflix and they were filming then my goodness me I don't think Mercedes are going to take part in Drive to Survive ever again <laughs> no um, because that is just uh, cursed isn't it right Tommy your three word race review let's 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 move on from George Russell we're of a we're of a you know a unanimous decision that he did an amazing job shocking from Mercedes disappointing for Bottas even though it was weird actually before we move on his tyres weren't that old and they were similar lifespan to, to Perez and even uh, Team Radio uh, said that he was going to be fighting Perez for the win um, but I feel like maybe the fact that he came into the pits the, the tyres sat there for ages cooled down and then he lost that core temperature you know I'm using my very basic F1 knowledge here but I feel like that could be the only reason as to why he couldn't get the tyres working again because Perez was circulating on, on similar lifespan tyres yeah there was still part of me even after all the kerfuffle that was like well Bottas has got this one still with the with the pace advantage Mercedes have, but yeah, if any like it just it just all fell apart for Bottas that that weekend really didn't it? The whole race just couldn't have gone any worse for him. Not not just the result, but all the all the Russell stuff with it. Yeah, I mean we have to say as well like heartbreak for Bottas as well. He he drove a a rather average race for him obviously being beaten by Russell but he would have finished second <laughs> yeah like. him just sat in the in the in the pits with his front left just completely on fire and he's probably just sitting there going what do I have to do to get any sort of luck this year because he hasn't had any it has to be said you know he's he's I mean I'm not even going to go into the list of them but in terms of I think Martin Brundle said if uh, Valtteri had uh, if he didn't have bad luck he'd have no luck at all and I think that's pretty much sums Bottas's season up wouldn't you say Katie yeah he's had a bit of a shocker um don't get me wrong you know there have been moments where things have gone his way and some of them he's executed brilliantly and other things he's just let slide so it's uh it's going to be an unusual year to look back at everything that Bottas has done but I mean he did some good things in like beating Russell for the pole but I mean imagine if he hadn't even done that it just doesn't bear thinking about. So It was close. He actually finally was the other side, the correct side of a few thousandths or hundredths of a second because usually he's been behind Lewis at, of that of that margin, which I guess some people will say is, is unlucky. Other people will say, well, just drive faster. Who knows? But right, we move on from Mercedes and Tommy, your three-word race review. Mine is Perez at peace. And this was obviously... It, it sums up that crazy race that we've that Sergio Perez has won a race for Racing Point. And we're, we're talking, you know, like it's, it's almost like the second biggest topic of the race because all the questions we had, 95% of them were, of course, about about George and that race. But the interesting thing for me is the end of that race, Perez obviously had a 
outpour of emotion that he'd finally won a race. I think it was 190 races that he's done, which is a record for getting your first win. And the thing that surprised me most is how sort of chill he was at the end. And he he kept mentioning it in quite a few interviews, saying that he's now like, he feels so much more happy with his future now and more more chilled out about it. And he kept saying like, I'm at peace now. And I, my and my personal opinion of that, what he's saying is that I feel like that's him saying, well, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting the Red Bull drive, but I now know I'm a Formula One race winner because for me, Sergio Perez, the talent of Sergio Perez, if he'd have left the sport without a win to his name, I think that would be be criminal. I think he's one of the best. He, he before this, for me, if he'd retired, he would be one of the best drivers to you know have a full career and not not win a race. So, yes, it's a it's a strange situation, but I guess we we wait and find out now what what the future holds. Obviously, awesome to see Perez. You know, he he wasn't. He almost felt like he was dreaming. He kept saying in interviews. I think he even got Natalie Pinkham to to pinch him uh, because he didn't <laughs> know uh, whether he was dreaming or not. And I completely agree with you, Tommy, in the fact that he would have been one of the drivers that you just remember as going. How the hell did he not win a race? Especially when he was in so many positions to potentially pick up the pieces and has been on the podium so many times. And yeah, I think he's at peace in the sense that he knows that Alex Albon probably will get re-signed. There's a huge Thai influence uh, in Red Bull, and I think that they want to keep Alex, of course. But, I mean, a quick thought for Alex Albon. I mean, could he have written a worse scenario for him trying to keep his seat? (laughs) Pierre Gasly wins a race, uh, and Sergio Perez wins a race. Both people rumoured to potentially take his seat. I mean, it's just, obviously, Pierre Gasly no longer, but it's just, I mean, he couldn't get any worse luck, poor Alex. I know he's not performing to where he wants to be, but my goodness me, I mean, that is just... He must be uh, having some sleepless nights at the moment. Uh, but yeah, Perez, I think that he will just have a year out, do an Ocon and come back in 2022. He's definitely proved that, well, Ocon's definitely proved that that's a, a sensible thing. Obviously, Ocon's a lot younger than Perez is, but I don't know. I mean, looking at Will Buxton, who lots of people know is part of F1, he put a bit of a cryptic tweet out yesterday saying that from the chatter in the paddock uh, after the race, that we might get some news on Perez and a possible, you know, see where he's going to be going by the end of this week. Um, Don't know how much I believe that. Obviously, he's got a lot more insider knowledge being in Bahrain at the moment. But yeah, Sergio said if he's not racing next year, then he'll take a sabbatical. He's not interested in doing anything as a reserve driver. I'm not sure if that's because he's just keen to sort of stay at home with his family and do everything that he can with them. He's got a young son, so maybe he just wants to be based in Mexico for a while and then he'll come back in 2022. But from the weekend, like you say, he's now a proven race winner. He's beaten Mark Webber's record by 60 races, I think it was. Mark Webber took 130 races to get his first F1 win. Like Tommy said, Sergio Perez took 190. He's been in the sport since the 2011 Australian Grand Prix, so like nearly a decade in this sport. Um, I'm sure people that have listened to the podcast know how much I like Sergio. I, I had my three-word race review a few weeks ago as someone signed Sergio. And I... Ugh, it's moments like this when I just think he needs to be in that Red Bull. I mean, we saw after Albon's disastrous qualifying, that clip of Christian Horner shaking his head, which, you know, if you're Alex Albon, you're probably thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> but, yeah, 
I, I don't know. Like you say, though, there's so many reasons why Red Bull would keep Albon, but I want Perez in that seat. I'm all aboard the Perez to Red Bull hype train, so <laughs> grab a seat. I'd be <laughs> amazed. I'd be amazed if that um, tweet you mentioned from Buxton wasn't Perez announcing 2022. Pers- that's that's my gut feeling because I feel like he mentioned 2022 a lot. He was in his post race interviews. It almost seemed like he was pretty much confirming that he's got a 2022 drive mm. don't know if anyone else picked up on that no i didn't but um well we'll see uh, we won't have to speculate for much longer no, <laughs> no i was uh... i was wondering actually if and this is probably like a, a dream scenario that lawrence stroll or somebody like that has said if lance doesn't perform well in 2021 <laughs> i'll then boot we'll out my own son really yeah <laughs> i don't know rubbish stranger yeah, things rubbish. have happened Absolute boys rubbish yeah <laughs> he's just trying to get rid of this whole stigma that he's only there because of his dad like if he says that that means people may go oh well lance has to prove himself where do you think he could go then for 2022 i, I can only see williams i guess yeah for me Russell um, getting that promotion god I don't. Would that be? I mean, no disrespect to Williams. Would that be worth would, it? Would it, de- it depends. You know, with the Williams new investment, if they feel like they are, you know, it's a brand new year with the investment they've gotten. Perez money. He, maybe he takes a sabbatical, and kind of like um, I'm trying to think, and maybe like a an Alonso that, like, you know, they're they're coming in for like the new rules to to give it a go as as a more experienced driver. Um, and then I guess if if that's um, Perez announcing himself at Williams at 2022, the knock-on effect of Russell begins. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's an interesting uh, story, and I'm sure we'll get the answer very soon, which I'm very look- much looking forward to. Uh, and the fact that he seems very set that he will be back on the grid, I guess, will uh, make us feel a little bit better that he won't be potentially on the grid next year, and he might come back even stronger after a year off and spending time with his family. Uh Katie, let's go to your three-word race review. So my three-word race review is size doesn't matter. And that (laughs) is in reference to the size of the track. Because what else would it be in reference to? Um, It's quite funny. I was talking to Tommy. I did a a voice note. I'm one of these really annoying people that do WhatsApp voice notes. Sorry in advance. But I sent Tommy a very ranty voice note on Friday. And it was pretty much me saying, I hate this track. I despise it. I think it thought it was too short. Everybody would be bunching up. We were just going to see everybody going up the rear of each other, and it's just excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're I'm not, not helping my case here, am there. I? No. No. Uh, but I just thought it was going to cause mayhem, and that the track was too short and too much of uh, a different to, difference to what we've seen in F1 circuits. But I'm more than happy to say I was wrong and that actually Good. it proved to be one of the most entertaining races we've had in a long, long time. Um, I think there's a, a question that comes onto it later, but part of it, I'm sure, is because we've never raced at a track quite like this. And there were so many unknowns and it's, you know, circumstances like that, which we've seen these absolutely bonkers races being created, you know, being at tracks that we're not familiar with. Um, but yeah, I, I'm more than happy to say that I was very, very wrong in assuming that but just because it was a shorter lap, uh, it would be a terrible race. And it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I, I was very hyped for it, even after speaking to Verstappen and Albon in uh, the podcast we did a little while ago, where they said it would just be a bit of a farce. I don't feel like it, 
it didn't feel like a fast. It was a short track, yes. It was 54 seconds, whatever, yes. But actually watching it, I didn't think, oh, this is just an oval. This doesn't feel like a racetrack. It did. There was a really difficult chicane uh, just before turn 10. Uh, I, I guess turns 8, 7, 8, 9. Is it seven? So, seven, uh, seven, eight, six, seven, eight, sure. nine, something like that. Five, six, seven, eight, yeah, nine. Six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that chicane was awesome to watch. You see the head, the driver's heads just bouncing about. It was so bumpy, so difficult to get right. We had amazing overtakes there in both Formula One <laughs> and Formula Two into that chicane, and I, I genuinely didn't fit because that was the one thing I thought maybe it'll just feel like it's a little bit of a they're trying to put on a show. But for me. It was perfect, and I would love to see it again. And in my opinion, I enjoyed it more than the normal layout. And that's what the question was from Razta F1: Is the version of the is this version of the track better than the normal layout? Uh, yes, I don't know if that's my brain going. Oh, this is new, uh, but I, I I don't mind Bahrain as a normal track either. But I think this is is, is definitely an option moving forward as as something a little bit different, keeps it fresh. Yeah, I I'm not sure. Like you say, if if I personally think it's better, I loved it, and I was this was the the race I was most hyped for because you know how much I like novelty circuits and just things a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess I what I hope. Uh, back, back to a question actually about the middle sector. The the thing that surprised me is just how much passing went through that sector and how much we actually got overtaking and also cars being able to follow each other and still plenty of overtaking in not just f2 but f1 because when they did that race in 2010 they obviously used a bit of that track um but then after that section there was a lot more slow sections and then the normal bahrain layout and that's what separated the cars and just meant there was no overtaking but this layout just worked so well and i like i just loved the the novelty aspect of it and my my takeaway from this is that i hope this is a, a change for circuit designers i don't think it will be because herman tilka designs all of them and pretty much makes the same circuit every single uh time he's asked to do one but i hope this is a realization that not every formula one track needs to be 17 to 18 turns a one minute 30 lap time a mix of high speed low speed medium speed corners let let's have some variety because they threw a completely different race into the mix and yes a lot of that was down to mercedes screwing up but we had two racing points and a renault on the podium and an absolutely incredible race one of the best f2 races like best uh, best race i think i've ever seen the f2 finale sprint race yeah what what a what a track and i hope this is a, a change for you know a new style of circuit where it's not just the same thing again and again and again and again i think somebody on sky said that this was the first time that whole layout had been used as well obviously with the f2 and f1 but yeah i'm i'm with you like if you think of an f1 circuit the Sakir Grand Prix layout is not what you think of. You think of, you know, something like an Austria or a Silverstone. But I was more than like, I'm more than happy to to see some more variety and shorter tracks and, you know, not as many, you know, 18, 19 turns, like you said, Tommy. 
um I think it's been a sort of this whole year really has been a bit of a wake-up call I think for F1 to venture out of their very predictable bubble but they probably won't because that's where the money is so yeah it's a shame isn't it I mean if you know if they want to have more more racetracks do a Bahrain short and then Bahrain but I guess it all comes down to money and the venues and I'm sure this is like a very much a, a discounted rate and all this that and the other and yeah we'll, we'll, we'll probably go back to normal but it's always nice to dream isn't it that we would maybe see Bahrain short again but I don't think we will I think it will go back to the normal um, but maybe it's been a tiny bit of a wake-up call moving forward in the future who knows but uh, very interesting um, and I think most people were positive about it some people not so much um, at Frank C 0603 says with 2020 being such an exciting and unpredictable year how much of that can be put down to F1 going to tracks where they have no data to go on should F1 look to rotate in more of these tracks to keep things more unpredictable rather than opt for long-term track deals again for the entertainment factor yes your first part's absolutely right let's go to let's go to a car park but the problem is Tesco or any other supermarket aren't going to pay the bills in order for this to happen and it would be amazing to see us go to ridiculous tracks but formula one has to has to make money and the the likes of russia you know that they'll pay the money to to have a, a race around a, a, a absolutely awful racetrack and that's just the way unfortunately the world works that that being said obviously drivers have spoken out i thought you were about to say that being said sochi is a great track that being said sochi is an incredible circuit and i love it sponsored by sochi autodrome no um <laughs> the yeah the the drivers and the fans have both spoken out about you know how great it is this year that, that we're getting to go to these new tracks and it's it gives a little bit of something new and excitement into the mix the the thing with bahrain is I guess this covers the contract. The thing with Bahrain is they tried a new um, layout. Abu Dhabi we're going to next. It's not really... I'm trying to think. You could probably count about two or three races in the 10 years they've done there that are decent. Uh, but it's not always known as being a classic. All these all these new tracks have so many different layouts. Look at Paul Ricard. There's about 150. You could have a whole season. Yeah, there, there's 150 you? different layouts or something at Paul Ricard. Um, why not try something new? Let's do Abu Dhabi in reverse. Let's do Paul Ricard where there's only three turns and or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like why not? Because it's this Absolutely. is this is this has shown that. F1 needs to be more unpredictability, like unpredictable, and that is why everyone loved that race because it was unpredictable. Yeah, totally. I did an article on WTF1.com. You can check it out after this podcast. Um, all about the possibility wow. of I know, nice plug there, right? Eh? <laughs> Have you, you? Yeah, is it in the wall yet? That plug. Or... <laughs> uh, but I did an article all about wild card races. Obviously, at the moment, there's a TBC on next year's calendar, and discussing what the likelihood was to get a wild card race, whether that's at Nurburgring or Portimao or Turkey, anything like that. But like we said, most of it comes down to money. F1 at the end of the day we all see it as a sport it's also a business when Liberty Media bought F1 and the rights to F1 F1 wasn't profitable it was you know not struggling they're still making you know billions on billions but 
with the help of Liberty Media, it's now become a profitable business. And I don't see them taking any big risks, especially with the coronavirus crisis. You know, that's put a huge dent in not only F1's plans, but for circuits, for teams, for drivers. You know, coronavirus has had such a huge impact more than just having to, you know, a few drivers off and the the circuit being jiggled up. It's going to have so many more implications for years to come. But yeah, it is, it, it's frustrating because this season, 2020, has just been such an elite year for F1. Like, I can't think, apart from maybe 2012... But like a season that's just been this consistently good, you know, just when you think this season can't get any better, like we get a a Perez victory with an Ocon and Lance Stroll on the podium, like you just can't write it. It's been sensational. But I do think a lot of that is partly because of the, the, the tracks. Yes, we had great races at like Monza and Austria and they're obviously permanent fixtures on the calendar. But some of the other races this year have really just made this year so brilliant with the racing that we've seen and that just shows doesn't it with the fact that Lewis Hamilton's 130 points clear has run away with this championship but if we just have five or six great races because of the unpredictability it doesn't matter really if the championship's wrapped up I know it would be nice the the dream is to have a, a title fight going into the last race but we look back at it fondly just because we've had a few crazy races and yeah. me as an F1 fan I'm happy with that I don't mind so much if Mercedes I say I don't mind. Obviously, I will still moan, but <laughs> it's it's better when when there are these the, these moments of that you have the Perez and the you know the Ocons crying down the radio. These moments are what we 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 want to see as F1 fans, where it's not just Hamilton winning every single race, and you know it's the same spiel. Ah, oh, it's great, you know, amazing to win my four hundred seventy three thousandth race, and you know it's a pleasure to work with Mercedes. It's nice to have these these moments to to throw it up a little bit and. Granted, it was Mercedes messing up, but unpredictability, totally for it. And Formula One, if they want to spice up the show, if they want to, you know, get the regulations changed for 2022 to make it closer, why not also try and make, you know, work with the tracks to do the likes of, you know, Tommy's idea of, you know, doing three three corners at Paul Ricard, although I don't think anyone really wants to go to Paul Ricard. <laughs> even if there was yeah, one corner if we had to <laughs> i guess is, is the... but you see what i mean like it's just just throw just throw a bit of craziness into it and we're we're absolutely flying a bit of spice yeah bit of spice and that'll be nice right moving on leclerc penalty let's talk about that um a lot of people were thinking i'll be jumping to charles leclerc's defense uh, i will not at Chris R.S. Smith, Leclerc's penalty was unfair as he was significantly alongside Perez. Leclerc's front wheel was parallel with Perez's rear, so Perez should have been should have given racing room. Now that is the worst take of 2020. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. No offense, but my goodness me, he was not. He was only alongside when he hit him. He locked up. Perez had absolutely every right to take. Fair enough, he did cut in a little bit too hard, but that's his right. Yep. Leclerc locked up, went in too hot, trying to overtake Verstappen. Without that lock-up, he may not have hit Perez and it would have been really close. But it's absolutely Leclerc's prerogative to not hit Sergio Perez in, the, in that incident. Yeah. So, for me, Leclerc definitely deserved the penalty. And Perez was just an, uh, you know, just an unfortunate passenger in that situation and, and shouldn't be expected to guess that Leclerc behind him is going to lock up and hit him. Yeah, regardless of Sergio Perez's line looking like he was about to take the normal Bahrain layout, um, it's 100% Charles Leclerc's 
fault. It's a it's a desperate lunge from such a good position. Not the first time he's done it this season, and yeah, it's just very silly. I mean, we'll we'll go into it in ABCDEF one, but it's just really, as to use his own words, stupid from Leclerc after he's done what is arguably one of the best qualifying laps I've ever seen um, to get a, essentially a tractor on an oval to fourth. Um, what a what a qualifying and to just essentially bin it on the first lap with a stupid error like that just so 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 silly from leclerc he he needs to he he really needs to sort of get this out of his racecraft for me leclerc admitted fault at the end of the day which is not something that the drivers normally you know their Uh, first response because i saw i saw an interview where he said that yeah it was a bit more his fault but he doesn't think that he should be penalized and that it was more of a racing incident that's what i heard okay I'm not too sure. Yeah, that's what he said to Sky, I think it was maybe, but he didn't. Say, he didn't think he should be penalised for it. That's for sure. But maybe he said something. Said something to someone else. <laughs> he went to Perez, didn't he? After after the race, to sort of yeah. say like, "Sorry, no hard feelings." Um, yeah, sorry, I almost cost you your first win in Formula One. But hey, if I hadn't crashed into you, you wouldn't have started last and won the race. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Katie, what else were you going to say? No, no, that was, yeah, pretty much it. You know, we saw Leclerc go and congratulate Checo after the race, which was nice. But um, I was watching the Channel 4 highlights as well. And, you know, Mark Webber said that Leclerc needs to really hone in his, his racing when he is doing moves like that. And it's frustrating because, like you said, with qualifying, he put on a sensational lap to get into what was... Um, P2 and then obviously got pushed down to P4 in a Ferrari on a track like that just mind-blowing but then yeah he goes and undoes it all in the first lap which not good he needs to get better at doing that and hopefully with with time he will become the the racer the whole package yeah I mean he's got elements of sort of Max Verstappen really it's it's a Maybe it's the the mixture that he knows the Ferrari isn't good enough to win races, and so he just feels like he has to go for for moves that are pretty audacious, pretty crazy, uh, to make sure that he gets in the mix to potentially get a podium. And I feel like there is that desperation from Leclerc. I mean, Vettel wasn't happy with him uh, last race, was he, with his uh, first lap move? And again, now he crashes into Verstappen. So there is that that eagerness, which is 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 bursting into desperation uh, for Charles and and he just needs to calm it down a little bit um, because I don't think we really saw that when Ferrari were up at the front. So I feel like it is that desperation of trying to get ahead of Verstappen who he knows is going to pull away if he doesn't. Uh, So, yeah, interesting and hopefully he uh, just reanalyzes and and maybe has a word or two uh, spoken to him about just calm it down a little bit and just make sure you're in the race because a crazy race like that, Leclerc could have easily been in with a shout of winning the race or at least on the podium. Um, and obviously Max Verstappen was caught up in that incident as well, even though the, the, the gravel was the same colour as the runoff, which is very misleading. But I'm sure as a racing driver, he probably knew where the, the gravel was, right? He probably would have done that research. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. What? It's, it's, I, feel like, I feel like he drove as if he didn't know that it was yeah, there, to be honest. Yeah, I've not actually seen any quotes from Max after the race saying that yeah i thought that was tarmac runoff and floored it and then because he could have gone round but could have slowed could have down, slowed down sure, but he? it almost yeah from from my first watch of it i thought that he'd just gone 
oh cool I'll, I'll just drive around the outside oh wait this is gravel and then he's in the wall yeah because i thought he got hit originally when i when i saw that he was out as well i was like oh he must have just got caught up uh, with charles leclerc who did just hit his rear tire uh, on the replay yeah um but yeah uh, as you say it just it just seemed like he was just toodling along and then whoops i'm in the wall now I, I did try and have a look for quotes to see if like you tommy matt had uh, max had com- max had admitted to not knowing it was gravel but couldn't find anything so either he did know and he was like i'm not going to bring it up because i'm going to look like yeah. an idiot or um it's just a genuine mistake i guess there's nothing to gain from him saying there was no gravel there right so yeah. i guess he just didn't say anything but uh, right let's move on uh we have kind of mentioned the the formula two but i guess we want to say a well done to mick schumacher who of course is a avid listener of the wtf1 podcast mick great to have you <laughs> along once again um <laughs> but no you know it was a I say it was a great performance from him over the season, really consistent. Obviously, he had some mistakes. I remember Austria was crashing and qualifying, but most of the time he was right up there, consistently scoring points. He wasn't the one that was kind of nabbing the headlines most of the time. That was Callum Eilert, and I think Callum, looking back at the season, will be kicking himself for, for the mistakes. For example, in Silverstone, he just spun on his own and, and cost him a huge amount of points, which would have given him the title. So for me... Mick Schumacher definitely was the most consistent and it, he didn't nab the title how he wanted to uh, because it was, well, it was one of the best races I've seen in Formula 2. The, the sprint race was just absolute craziness. If you haven't seen it, make sure to go check it out because we're, we're giving you spoilers right now with the fact that Mick was very much in the in the great pound seats and then he locked up, had to pit again in a sprint race. That's not what you do. And then Callum Eilert was sitting third. All he had to do was finish second and get fastest lap or finish first and it didn't matter but unfortunately for Callum, his uh, his tyres didn't didn't hold on. Yeah, it's unlucky unlucky that um, the season ended the way it did for Callum, and looks like he's not going to be in with a drive, which is a big uh, big shame. Uh, you know, he's had a had a really good year enough to make. Uh, I think is the you know worthy winner in the end, and also I think credit to Sonoda as well, who in that final race he um, he almost. Uh, finished second he was one point off beating Callum as a rookie which I think is an unbelievable performance and I've not seen too it, it there doesn't seem to be as a huge of a hype train to say that he's a young Red Bull driver coming as a rookie almost won the F2 title um, and now he's got enough super license points looks like he's going to be in an Alpha Tauri next year let's hope that yeah. um, he you know he thrives under this Red Bull pressure and doesn't flop. I think it'd be an interesting one to see how it goes. But yeah, shame for shame for Callum, but at least some people are, you know, getting promoted from that F2 season. I'm such a newbie to F2. Um, before I started this job, it wasn't really, I mean, it's on my radar, obviously, to see all these junior drivers, but my priorities had been in other racing series. So to jump into that crazy race that happened yesterday, the sprint race, I was thinking, oh my goodness, is every single race like this? I was messaging Tommy, like, this is absolutely insane. I I know that (laughs) F2 has a reputation for being completely bonkers and sometimes the best races of the weekend. But yeah, that was a sensational race yesterday. Um, And like we said, huge congratulations to Mick Schumacher um, and looking forward to seeing him in Haas 
next year as that was confirmed this week along with 10,000 other things <laughs> yeah it was it was uh, crazy stuff and yeah well welcome to the Formula 2 family uh, Katie because uh, well you've missed a lot and yeah. uh, I'm sure you won't be missing it uh, when we come to, to next season it's over now Formula 2 done and dusted and uh, well I look forward to next year obviously as you mentioned Tommy Callum I not looking like he has a top flight seat at all but 2022 could be his year maybe a Haas seat who knows but uh, you have to get a lot of money in order to uh, to race. Even Formula 2 uh, is about a million and a half, isn't it? So it's just ridiculous. But we move on. Uh, Tommy, play the jingle. Now it's time for... Okay, let's do this. Let's fly through this. As we're, wow, we're almost up into an hour people, of talking already. People wait a long podcast. It's, yeah, they want a long podcast, but we never usually give them a long podcast when it's a good yeah, race. Yeah, I did see that because I didn't think... So, someone mentioned it that they were like, this better be over an hour because your your 2019 French Grand Prix where nothing happened was an hour 20 and then and then Monza <laughs> was like 10 minutes or something. So yeah, here you go. You're welcome. Just the nature of uh, <laughs> the way our podcasts work. Anyway, ABCDF one time. Let's go. George Russell. A star. star. A star. Biggest A star ever. I thought Katie was going to go, well, actually, no, I was going to give him a B. Uh, <laughs> I've set myself a- up to a bad reputation on this, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The pessimist of the of the mm. panel. Anyway, I, I, that uh, used to be me Russell. giving everyone an F, but taken over. I know. That, that could be taken out of context as well, Tommy. But anyway, um, A star for Russell. Uh, Bottas. C. C. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think a C because at the end of the day, he would have finished second. And I think that would be worthy of a C when the person driving your car is a person that's never done it. I don't think we can downgrade him for essentially being left on rubbish tyres at the end and having his brakes on fire and all that disaster that came afterwards. Would we have given him a B though we got pole? I don't know. Huh? Would we have given him a B though because he got pole and then finished second? No, personally, I don't think so. Katie, you're very quiet. Katie, yeah. you're going to give him a so U. So I've gone <laughs> quite high for Bottas. Oh. I've given him an A. <laughs> an A? So I've gone a. from being the pessimist to now being very optimistic. Wow, that's what? flipped. So, okay, please explain. Okay. Qualified on pole, which I know is what's expected of him yeah, because yeah. George Russell has not been in that car and really challenged him on it. But yes, the race start was not ideal. He looked like he was wiggling all over the place, but he got pretty messed over by the pit stops as Russell did. And I don't know, from the other rankings that I've done for other drivers, I just didn't think it was fair to give him a lower grade than what I've given others. I don't know. Oh, well, guys, tough. We're straight me, down the middle. We're tough. We're, regret we're every decision I've we've, ever we've made. We've never had this, ever. We've never had this, ever, where we've gone for three different grades. So we're going to go straight down the middle and give him a B. That's fine. Okay. That's yep. it. That's fair enough. Uh, Leclerc F. I gave him an E think his mistake regardless of qualifying okay, is just e. too yeah. too bad i think he's fair uh, here we go katie oh my a star God. if i am i on something like i'm giving the really high grades out i gave him a b how are you sorry he's binned someone off on the first lap yeah but he also did really well in quali 
Sorry, how many points are given out in qualifying, Katie? <laughs> no points. No points. <laughs> you gave Leclerc, who who took out Perez and caused Max Verstappen to crash into the wall. I'm beginning to regret every single life choice I've ever made. Are you sure you've chosen the right grades for this Grand Prix? Although you have been giving reasonings, so I feel like you actually believe Leclerc deserves a B. Tough. We're not giving Charles Leclerc a B. Oh, well, at least people can't say I'm being a bitch, so... (laughs) (laughs) Alex Albon's highest grade throughout this entire season is a B, and you want to give Leclerc... Okay, it's fine. We'll just pretend that didn't happen. Uh, Should we go with an E, then? Yes, let's go with an E. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Vettel, a triple star from Katie. No. Okay, so Vettel, uh, he finished twelfth, didn't he? Um, he did. It's a solid D, I think, for Vettel. I yeah. agree. I said D. I said D. Three oh, Ds. We're back on form, guys. Okay. Okay, Verstappen. Well, he qualified P three, five hundredths off pole, got taken out. I think we can give him a B. I gave him a C. Even me. Is that, I think I think yeah, I've I just guess. got to downgrade him a little bit because while mis- yeah it mistake. could have been argued as a mistake. Um, okay, yeah, that took him out of the race. I can say C. Katie? I gave a start and I didn't really. <laughs> um, I gave him a B. Uh, okay, let's let's give him a C because uh, yeah. Tommy makes a good point because yeah. um, it was a mistake. He could have missed the gravel, uh, but he just didn't realise in the in the heat of the moment. Uh, Alban, I am going to give him a D. I've said E. I yeah, know that's confident. really harsh, but he's out of. Yeah, I mean, finishing sixth when Charles Leclerc, Verstappen, and the two Mercedes are at the race, and you still finish sixth is not not where a Red Bull needs to be. What did you go for, Katie? I went for a D as well. D it is then. D it is. Carlos signs. Let's give him an A. Yeah, I was almost yeah, on A star a. territory, but I went A. It's not A. Yeah, well, I mean, it, the the strategy of pitting when well they went for the VSC pit, didn't they? But they they pitted yeah, too yeah. late. Could have been it cost um, him the win. Yeah, like you say, cost him the win. Could have been. I feel like it, that was his. He had a very weird radio message at the end where he was just making noises, and I wonder if that was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> Okay, so A, uh, Katie? Uh, yeah, I said A for science as well. Okay. Uh, Lando Norris went from 19th to 10th on the first lap. Obviously had a, an engine change, didn't he? But I'm, I'm kind of disappointed with after lap one, the fact that Lando was 10th and still finished 10th. Yeah, same. I've given him a C. No, I think B. Yeah, I've said B. Okay. How are you giving him a C when he, he gets nine positions in one lap? Because he's in a McLaren and he's... Most of those cars are Alfa oh, Romeos. And... Oh, I expect this because he's in the McLaren. It's true, though, isn't it? Well, I mean, we did literally just say be. that Sainz could have won the race, and he is in a McLaren. But I know that they started in different places. But yeah, are you going to go away from your B then, Katie? And go no, to a C, I'm or? just going to stick to my all my original grades because I'm stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, does Lando deserve a C? That's Lando deserves. I'm going to put a light on. It's getting dark. It's, we've been going that long. Lovely. Okay, it's getting dark. It's three oh seven in the afternoon. Um, okay, no, I'm going to give Lando a no B. I don't want to get killed by people uh, <laughs> that, that are fans of him. Uh, B for Lando. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, B. Yeah, B. Yeah, I've gone for B as well. 
Yeah, I, I'm surprised. But again, it was the same as Carlos Sainz, wasn't it? He pitted at the same time as Carlos. Uh, and then the people that stayed out, one stopped, Ocon, for example, just made it work. So, uh, Ricardo B, Ocon, uh, I'm going to... S- a. S- solid A. A. Star? Not a star. I feel like there was a little... Yeah, a little bit, not a little bit of luck, but um, I mean, his move around the outside of Stroll was awesome. Um, a star. You going A star? I've gone A. I'm going. I'm going A star. Katie. I've gone A. A it is. Poor Ocon. But yeah, it's, <laughs> I just want to give him an A star because he's never had a podium before and he finished P two. Great minerals. <laughs> um, considering the amount of cars that were behind him as well, because he was on old tires and they were hounding him down. Oh yeah, great drive. Uh, it's fine, I'm not bitter that you didn't give him a star. Uh, Gasly. Gone for C. Not his best. Yeah, very anonymous, and he got... I, Out-qualified by Kvyat. Out-raced by Kvyat, completely. Mm. Kvyat yeah, out of seven. character, Kvyat had owned him this weekend. So, uh, Gasly, C, Kvyat, A. Ooh. Ooh. Guess, uh, he finished sixth? Seventh. Seventh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's give him an A. Let's give him an A. Yeah. A. Sergio Perez, A star. Easy. Yeah, hands down. Doesn't need to even be discussed. A double star. Uh, Lance, Lance Stroll, A. A. Oh, I've given him a B. I, I want to give it personally, but. Why are, you, why are you giving him a B? Because. Because of his interview. No, because he no doubt drove a, a decent race, but like Monza, I feel like it was one of those where he said he could have won. And at the end of the day, I was watching the race back and there was a moment where Perez was closing in on him and he he was he had DRS on Ocon and if he'd have gone for that lunge and made the move, he would have finished, you know, he would have been ahead of Ocon and maybe pulled a bit of a gap and he could have won the race. But I think the fact that he then locked up, let Perez through, he kind of yeah. lost a, a, a be- maybe a better result, even though it was a really good yeah, result. Okay, no, that's fair enough. I guess we have to take into account that a lot of the runners were out, so Stroll probably would have finished seventh had everything been normal. So, okay, no, I see. You've convinced me, Tommy. Great, great discussion. B for Stroll. <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen. He spun on the lap on lap one, didn't he? He had a shot. Yeah. Mm. That that kind of scared me a little bit because that was literally the same area as uh, yeah, last weekend, seeing it in it? the background and stuff as well. Uh, not not nice. I can't decide between a. E or a D. Let's give him an E because he yeah, spun. Yeah, he. it was a really poor result. He didn't get hit, did he? He just spun. Yeah, yeah. qualified behind the Williams as yeah, well. Yeah, behind Jack Aitken. It was 19th, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, or 20th. Uh, either or. No, I think it was 19th. I think yeah. Lando was last. Anyway, no, Lando was 19th. Who was 20th? Pietro Fittipaldi? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, engine change as well, didn't he? Or whatever it was. Uh, Giovinazzi. B. D. B. You've gone for D. D. Wait, D. not D for Delta. D for yeah. Delta. What? What? Wait, where did he finish? 13th. What are you giving him? A B. He drove a good a race. B. He was up there. A B for Giovinazzi yeah. finishing 13th you, when... I literally, after the Grand Prix finished, I was like, was Giovinazzi even there like, this weekend? I did not see or hear from him at all. He absolutely he had... trounced Raikkonen and was solid. Oh, so what? A hundred-year-old Raikkonen. <laughs> Raikkonen had a spin on lap one. I mean, well, it's just... Okay, C. No. I'll allow a C. Wow. Robbed. D was maybe a bit harsh, Robbed. but no. there's two people out the race. He's finishing 15th without that. We move on. There was more than two people out the race, wasn't there? <laughs> How many people out the race? Four? Yeah. Four were out. Latifi was out. No, three out. Uh, Fittipaldi was last. Oh, three. In yeah, three. Okay. 
Cool. All right. C for Giovinazzi. Just mainly because he was un- unknown and I just went for a D because he was nowhere near the points. Anyway, right. Magnussen. D. C. D. D. C. Okay. Perfect. Fittipaldi, I'm going to give a B just because of the fact that he hadn't raced any sort of single-seater car since February. And I think that was a Formula 4 car from what so I heard. So hard to judge because so, he's obviously so far off the pace of Magnussen. But like you say, he's never driven the car. It's a strange choice that he got the nod over Delatraz. Um, yeah, like you say, definitely. when he's never Delatas was not happy, not was he? Happy at all? When he's never driven that car, it's a really hard one to judge because, like you say, do you go on? I think he didn't do. He, he definitely was. I'd say he was very and, and solid. It's a, it's a C or a B for me. I said C. I'm going to give him a B just purely because I don't think has he driven a Formula One car before this weekend? I don't think so. Not sure, but I gave him a B as well. He has. He hasn't been in any free practices, has he? No. No, so that's an unbelievable performance mm. from from Pelle. He had quite a lot of time uh, out of racing as well when he broke his legs in a really horrible crash at Spa a few years ago as well. So he's done. It's a great performance. Yeah, very good, solid uh, job. Solid, solid, yeah. solid. Mm. Uh, right, Jack Aiken. He raced in Formula hey, One. Star. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I am going to give Jack. Oh, Careful he's here. Watch. I know he watches. I know they watch. Yeah, I, I, I gave him and Fittipaldi a C, I feel like they deserved the same grade because Jack was... They, they were both solid. Jack had more pace, but obviously he made made a mistake. Yeah, the crash, yeah. So... Uh, oh, right, no, I have to be unbiased. I would give him a C. Yeah. Yeah, I've C. gone with a C. I've never met Jack, and if he's watching, well done, Jack, on your amazing uh, F1 debut. But I'm afraid no, it's don't, a C. no, don't give him a C and then say well done. That's just not how well, it no, works. No, I'm saying just, just well to, done for getting. You have to suck it up. He hates you now, Casey. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> he hates me. <laughs> nice, as well. cool. Well. We love you, really, Jack. <laughs> All good. Um, and Nicholas Latifi, well, he conked out, was just beat Jack in qualifying, and then was ahead of Jack most of the race, wasn't he? C but, as well, I'd say. Uh, C, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah C. Lovely. Right, that was a long ABCDEF one, but that's because loads of things happened. Sakir Grand Prix predictions. Let's go at, well, uh, okay, so I went for the most overtakes all season. How do you judge that? Don't. You know what? You know what? I think it's a point. And. Are you kidding? (laughs) I don't think that was the most overtakes all season. I don't think it is. I think both of mine are wrong. Well, one of them's definitely wrong. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, no points for that. And at least one Ferrari has lapped twice. I think they were on course for that. George Russell, normal race. He is lapping Vettel. Twice, yeah. Twice. You can't have that. No, it didn't happen. I'm just saying that it was on its way. Uh, But no points for me. Katie. So I said bad issues with traffic in qualifying. I don't no, think that's no, a, no, it wasn't. Yeah. I thought that was None. the easiest point you're ever going to get, and it never happened. That was a big surprise. That, yeah, we literally complained about that as well, I'm pretty sure. Oh, um, uh, and your other one? I said drivers will moan that they get bored of driving the outer circuit. I've changed it rather than saying oval, because I know that oval. triggers you, Matt. Um, but... <laughs> no, it doesn't. Tr- no, the thing is, I was calling it an oval. <laughs> I posted it on Twitter, and then everybody was like, oh, my God. You called it an oval. It's not an oval. And that, yeah, it was so many people going at me. Okay. So, um, and that's what they sound like as well. No, they, they, yeah. that's that's a nasally word. Twitter voice. Anyway. Mean. Yeah. But, yeah, just a Twitter voice. Oh my God, how dare you call it an oval, Matt? Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's okay. But I. So that was wrong. I, yeah, I don't think I can have that. I tried oh. to look for, desperately look for quotes of drivers slagging off the circuit, but I could only find ones from Sebastian Vettel, but he just moans everything, so I don't think that counts. <laughs> 
Amazing. And here comes Tommy strutting in with his bag, ready to just throw his points in. No Red Bull in the top five. Thank you. Thanks, Alban, for finishing sixth and not ruining my prediction there. And and for Leclerc taking out yep. Verstappen, because that your your prediction was not based on the fact that they would get taken out and Alban be rubbish, did it? No, it, it, really? no I looked into that one. It was because I thought they'd be dreadful around this circuit, but they just they were, they were good. <laughs> um, and Russell out-qualified by his teammate, which he was. You scumbag. Mm. Literally, Albon finishes sixth and Russell gets out-qualified by 22 thousandths and you're getting two points. That's absolutely And I love it. Yeah, I know you do, you dirty, dirty man. Right, anyway, two fans. Oh, my word. Predictions. American Racing 7, Monza 2, a new winner. Maybe a McLaren or racing point. That is an absolute worldie of a prediction. American Racing 7, we're going to give you a round of applause. That is just brilliant from that, you. Unbelievable I can't believe prediction. To, to even say that Monza 2, which it essentially was because we got completely random podium, new winner. Yeah, wow, what a prediction. You know what, American Racing 7, Ten because points. your prediction was so good, get in touch with us and we'll send you something from the WTF1 store. Hey. That's just, I've just said, said it. it. There, there you go. Goes on Boom. record. Um, Fielding Rowan, Renault second row lockout. No. No, it wasn't. Didn't happen. So, right, let's uh, go to Abu Dhabi Grand Prix predictions now. My two are Russell races for Mercedes, but Bottas is faster, and McLaren will beat Renault to fourth. I've gone for two rather, well, uh, I, I'd say intricate predictions. You know, there's a lot of conditions there. Um, but hey ho, I'm, I'm I'm not being a Tommy. Basically, I know Tommy's trying to do a comeback here. It's boring. Uh, we'll get <laughs> onto his shortly. But Katie, let's have yours. Um, I've said that the Grand Prix is going to be a snooze fest. Um, and no, I thought Tommy said you were changing that. No, you're changing I the changed... other one. Yeah, I changed the other one. I mean, it's still oh, the safest prediction for Abu Dhabi yeah. you could possibly. I mean, be. Katie, I, I have boring. to get something, please. You know what? Your prediction is a snooze fest. That's oh, rude. Savage. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm just going with really safe options because I need some points. I came into the predictions and this whole podcast really late in the season, so. Oh, so you're just trying and to rack still up the points. So your first yeah. one's. And so your first one snooze fest is your second one. We're going to be racing around Abu Dhabi. How did you guess? No, <laughs> I've said Norris top five finish. I'm just. Okay. I don't even know what I'm doing right. anymore. <laughs> You're still recovering from about 15 minutes ago. Still recovering uh, from a week of 9 million F1 news yeah, pieces. Uh, so I've gone for Bottas win and another Perez podium. Well, bore off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. That I mean, I reckon Bottas will win, but yeah, I don't think Perez I think will win. Uh, Karan Singh underscore zero zero five Mercedes one two with Max third too easy I know but it's Abu Dhabi anyway says Karan Singh so uh, thank you for that and underscore Nick Star McLaren to clinch third in constructors despite all odds so I've gone for McLaren will, be, will get fourth Nick Star's gone even what one further I don't know how they're going to do that they're literally going to have to finish third and they're fourth ten points without racing points ten scoring. points behind are they no more no, than that ten, is it only ten McLaren are like twenty five behind. Aren't they? No, I'm sure they're only uh, 10 behind. I'm sure yeah, they're 10 points. They're 10 points behind. Is it 10 yeah, points? Yeah, because Racing Point had the absolute shocker last week, didn't they? Oh, it's Renault that were 20, yeah, yeah. 22 points behind Racing Point. Okay, I'm getting confused. In which case, my prediction is the safest <laughs> thing I've ever... 
Yeah, you can't say I'm. My wow. snooze fest that's is boring. So, oh my god, that's amazing! Look, no one picked it up. I've said it now. It's in stone. Oh, so boring. <laughs> I've never wanted Renault to do I love so how I've had bad. A go at you for, for being boring, and that is literally the safest prediction I've for ever god said. Sake. Anyway. It's probably not going to come true now, so there you go. Fingers crossed. Um, so Nick Starr thinks McLaren will finish third. Brilliant stuff. Right, that's it. Thank you so much for everybody for, for watching and listening. Thank you to uh, Manscaped for sponsoring this episode. And um, final thoughts, Tommy and Katie. What a race. Yeah. Don't say a three-word race review. Final thoughts. Please be good, Abu Dhabi. <laughs> okay, fair. Katie? Um, what a blimmin' mad week it's been. It's just so much has happened that my brain is still fried. And that's why I'm blaming my terrible ABCD EF1 predictions. But there you go. But hey, Leclerc got a B for taking someone out. We'll remember that for the rest of the WTF1 podcast series. It's just gone down in history, Katie. Well done. I look forward to reading the comments. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for, for watching this, as I say. <laughs> and uh, join us one final time uh, in terms of race reviews. We'll have probably an end-of-season podcast as well. We definitely will. I don't know why I said probably. But uh, for the final time, for the final race of the season, uh, you'll see us again next Monday for the WTF1 podcast. If you want to get involved, any suggestions, questions, etc., hashtag WTF1 podcast on social media. We post on both Twitter and Instagram. And that is it. Thank you so much to Katie and to Tommy and to me, I guess. Or you guys have to thank me, maybe. I don't know. Nah. Either way, that's nah. it. We're done. No? Okay, cool. B for Leclerc. All right, bye. bye. Thanks, babe. <laughs> Katie's the fanboy now. <laughs> <laughs>